Welcome to the Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. We are a Bible-believing church located in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. We are proudly part of the Christian Fellowship Ministries with 3,000 churches around the world. We are a church focused on world evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Here we will share recent sermons from PHSA Church and other sermons from throughout our fellowship. I am Pastor David Bickford, and I will be your host for this podcast. I thank you for listening today, and we hope these messages are a blessing to you and bring you closer to God. Good morning, and welcome back to the Potter's House uh, podcast for the Potter's House Church in Salmon Arm, British Columbia. My name, again, is David Bickford. I'm the pastor here, and the message I've got today is... Our rest is in the Lord. God is sovereign in the storm. So the text that we'll be using today, so if you have your Bible, if you're following along, is going to be Isaiah 55 verses 1 through 13. So you can you can kind of go ahead and get ready or get to that if, that's, if you're going to follow along. As you're doing that, have you ever noticed how easy it is to be grumpy when you're tired, cold? hot, or hangry. Isn't it amazing how even the most devout believers or the most respectable people can let exhaustion get the best of them? Now, I know this is this might have never happened to you, or or I bet you know that everyone here um, listening today or can can remain calm as a cucumber despite any of these kind of outside you know situations or or conditions. Even when you're tired and hungry, you're just the perfect you know, you're perfectly in control. When the weather's bad, I bet you're just a pillar of joy. As it's pouring down rain, you're just, oh, I love this liquid sunshine. It's the best thing ever. You know, as the blizzards are hitting, you're like, man, it's such a beautiful day outside. You know, that's that's you, right? Well, you know, I'm I'm not personally one of those pillars. I can be quite grumpy if I'm cold, wet, and hungry. Um, if I am trying to to sleep and, you know, heaven forbid somebody wakes me up prematurely, I have been known to snap a few times. I might surprise you, but you know, it's, you know, let, 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 let a resting bear lie kind of a thing. You know, if I'm in the midst of my, you know, sleep cycle and I'm abruptly woken up, I'm kind of in a fight or flight mode. And so it's, it's kind of, you know, it's not uncommon for me to snap and think what the heck's going on here. Sometimes I wake up not having slept well, and it can be very hard to get moving. You know, we've probably all experienced that. In those times, how do you react though? What is what is the the standard way that you go, you know, you try to get a hold of yourself in those times of physical stress? It's it can be very easy for us to act out. But what do you do? It's also easy for us to direct our frustration onto others and even onto God. So is that right though? That's the question. You know, when we're having these situations that when when all these conditions are are plaguing us, you know, is it right for us? to act out? How should we react to our own frailties? Sometimes I'll try to force myself into action. You know, in the Marine Corps, there's a term that we like to use. It's used in the military quite often, you know, for multiple branches, but it's just, it's just the phrase sucking it up or embracing the suck. Now, sucking it up might work sometimes, but oftentimes it just makes things worse. Many of the, uh, the injuries or ailments I have from my time in the service come from me stubbornly sucking it up. With that, you know, I have an illustration here. It's called His Sovereignty in the Storm. This is the story of Sergeant Daniel B. Olson, who was part of the U.S. 
Ar uh, Army Intelligence Unit, the 24th Mechanized Infantry Division, during the first Gulf War back in the early 90s. Their task was to seize the Iraqi air base at Jalaba and trap the Iraqi army, preventing their escape from Kuwait. So as we go through this story, you know, it's it's you know, when when you guys hear this podcast, it's it's going to be, you know, around Remembrance Day or just after Remembrance Day or Veterans Day for for the Americans. And so keep in mind too, like the to give give time in your thoughts to the fact of those who have died either to keep you safe or keep you know freedom in our land, or even those who are currently serving. Because it is an important thing for us to recognize that it is an important part of freedom for have, to have somebody who's willing to sacrifice. Just like Jesus sacrificed for us in life, it is important for us to, to give recognition to those who willfully sacrifice to maintain the freedom that we all enjoy in the Western world. That being said, let's dig into this story about San, uh, Sergeant Daniel B. Olson. The word came just as I was settled down to get some rest after a sleepless night and nonstop morning. We had two hours to pack up and move out of Saudi, the Saudi Arabian desert. We had anticipated this order since the start of the air war 40 days earlier. By now, we were ready to go home, and we knew that for us, the road home led through Iraq. I was part of the intelligence unit of the 24th Mechanized Infantry Division. Our mission was to seize the Iraqi airbase at Jalaba and trap the Iraqi army, preventing their escape from Kuwait. The attack into Iraq wasn't supposed to start until the next day, but the collapse of the Iraqi defense east of us caused us to move out 15 hours earlier. I would start the march into Iraq after more than 24 hours without sleep, while the Army and Marine divisions to our east slogged through the artillery fire and landmines, our division raced across the empty desert expanse. After 30 hours of nonstop driving, our company finally paused for six hours of rest. I was physically exhausted, having been on the go for two days straight, and the adrenaline rush had run out. A chilling wind blew sand in my face, and I spread my sleeping bag over the rocky landscape and plopped down. Drops of cold rain on my face interrupted my relief. I looked up at the dark sky in despair as the drops began to intensify. There was no time to erect a tent. The fierce wind was blowing the rain into every possible refuge. So we're going to go ahead and turn and look at our, our text now. Keeping in mind what we've already read, we'll, we'll find out more of the story you know, from, our, from the sergeant in, in just a second. But let's turn to the word of God here and let's let's make sure that we you know encompass this message within the the framework of of you know biblical teaching. And so as we do that, let's also I'm just going to pray quite quickly that you know dear Lord God, I just pray that you'd open our eyes to your word, give us uh wisdom and discernment to be able to draw from from you, Lord God, that what you'd have us to learn from this scripture this morning or this evening. Amen. So Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 13, the subheading to this is the compassion of the Lord. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me. And eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that you may, your, your soul may live, and I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. 
Behold, I made a witness, made him a witness to the people, a leader and a commander for those people. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because the Lord your God of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but the water, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I have purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For ye shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of, instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So as we turn, I want to look first at the storm. You know, life is full of storms. But God is always found in the storm. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, let's look at the, the definition of the storm. A disturbance of the normal condition of the atmosphere manifesting itself by winds, an unusual force or direction, often accompanied by rain, snow, hail, thunder. A storm can also be a violent military assault on a fortified place, a strong position, a heavy sudden volley or discharge, a storm of criticism. A storm of bullets. A violent disturbance of affairs, a civil, political, social, or domestic commotion. We're living in the times of storms right now. Everything that's happening between Ukraine and Russia and Israel and Palestine and the other Arab nations. These are storms. These are things that are happening. And I don't know how, how up to date you, you tend to be with the news. But there have been many, many attacks from Iranian proxy fighters against mili U.S. military insta uh, installations in the Middle East. And in retaliation, the U.S. has even had to do airstrikes into Syria and into other countries to take out these threats. So we live in this time of storm, right? But God uses the storms. So let's look at Job 38 real quick. The Lord answers Job in Job 38, 22 through 27. Have you entered the storehouse of the snow or have you seen the storehouses of hail, which I have reserved for the times of trouble, for the days of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Who has, a cl who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain, a way for the thunderbolts to bring rain on the land where no man is? on the desert in which there is no man, to satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the ground sprout with grass. So here we have again, you know, God challenging Job about where were you? You know, where? how do you think you know, you know, my mind is the mind of the Lord? 
So as we go back to the story of Sergeant Olson, we can see this frustration beginning to rise in him. He's tired, he's exhausted, and now he is wet and cold. Why did there have to be a storm right now? We are in the desert. How can there even be a storm right now? So what does Sergeant Olson do? He prays. God, please stop this rain. I cried out in anger and frustration. I begged God to see the depths of my faith, to show him how much I believed he could stop the rain. I thanked him for the miracle that would soon come. And then it happened. The rain came down in sheets. Why are you doing this, God? I pleaded. Your own son said that a mustard seed of faith could move a mountain. I only asked that you would move a dark rain cloud. I was disillusioned that God, who controls the wind and the rain, would not say, peace, be still. After all, I was his child, wet and cold on the desert floor. So you can see real, you know, real clearly here, now this frustration is coming forth and, and it's challenging his faith. This, this faith challenge that he's being represented with is like, I'm tired, I'm hungry, and now I'm cold. Can you please just, you know, give me an out? Help me out here, Lord. What, 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 what could possibly be the purpose of all this pain and suffering? Right? There's always this questioning. You know, Job did the same thing. Right? Other, his friends and his wife were way worse with this, but he did the same thing. There was a questioning of the why. There's a questioning of the why. Why does this have to happen to me? So when we look at our, our original text and we pick it up, you know, in Isaiah 55, 8, again, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And that brings me to, you know, my next point, which is sovereignty. God is in control. You know, God is our monarch, right? And, and sovereignty, when defined, it is defined in such, in a similar way, a monarch or a king or a queen or a supreme ruler. That's part of the one way that we look at sovereignty. A person who has supreme power of authority, so a dictator often, oftentimes could be considered a sovereign, right? A supreme and independent power or authority in government as possessed or claimed by state or community. And I always like to joke, and, and it's true, but I always like to joke with people because they can ask, you know, what's the best form of government? You know, oftentimes people say, oh, you know, a constitutional republic or a democracy or something of that nature. But as Christians, we are called to to, you know, pray for the day that we live under a benevolent dictatorship. Because our king, our Lord, our Lord God is that he is fully righteous and fully faithful to us, and he has full sovereignty. So if God is sovereign, then he has the ability to control the weather, like Sergeant Olson quoted from Jesus, Luke 17, 6. And the Lord said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. This, then certainly this prayer from a faithful follower should have been heard and the rain would have stopped immediately. The trick is that we neglect to remind ourselves about God's sovereignty. He has all the power. He is all powerful, but he is also all knowing and his thoughts are not our thoughts, which we see, which we saw in our text that I read, you know, in, in verses 
you know, eight through nine, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts, than your thoughts. So again, you know, I keep reading that that section or portion of scripture because I want to drill that in. Because oftentimes we always want to reference our feelings as an is a reason why God should give us our the answer we want to hear. And we always want to take away the sovereignty of the Lord for the situation because we want something done our way right now. Sergeant Olson's ne- neglected to provide space for God's will in the storm. And often when we are in the storm, we can't see the whole picture. When we are tired, hungry, cold, wet, grumpy, that's when we judge God and his, and his lack of faith in fulfilling our prayers. So we ascribe to him a lack of faith when we don't get the answer to the prayers that we are hoping to see. But God is always there and we can find our rest in him, even during the storm. So let's pick up the story with Sergeant Olson. It said, and, and, and here he says again, it was then that I felt the Lord speak to my heart. Dan, you say you have enough faith to believe that I can stop the rain. Do you have enough faith to trust me? When I say that the rain is for your own good. My answer was simple. No. How could this exhaustion be for my own good? What I needed was rest. I never did sleep and the rain continued through the night. I lay awake frustrated and cold until the sunrise. When we mounted up again, we continued the march through the next evening. And when we stopped, I collapsed onto my sleeping bag. The rain had stopped and blissful sleep came upon me. So this will bring me to my final point. But I want to, before we jump into that final point, which is salvation, I want to I emphasize this is a typical human reaction. This is a typical reaction that we see throughout the word of God. We see, you know, proud men of God questioning when things don't go the way they hope they go. We see it with Job questioning God. We see it oftentimes even with Moses with with you know questioning God with the with the people of Israel. This is something that is very very common to us in in mankind as humans is to is to feel that we deserve an answer despite having any, or like without having faith. Sometimes we don't get the answer we want. Sometimes we don't get an answer at all. And that is where faith really has to take place. So let's look at salvation. You can design, you can define salvation as the act of saving or protecting from harm, risk, loss, or destruction, the state of being saved or protected from harm or risk, a source, cause, or a means of being saved or protected. In theology, it, it clearly means deliverance from the power. Well, as a Christian theology, it, it, it means deliverance from power and penalty of sin. It means redemption. That's what that means. So let's, let's finish off this story from Sergeant Olson. We seized Jalaba after a fierce fight. When the shooting stopped and the smoke cleared, I got a closer look at the destructiveness of the 44-day war. 
I crawled through the bunkers and foxholes abandoned by the enemy and inspected an area where the Iraqi troops slept day the day before. I felt the blankets that the enemy slept under the night that it had rained so hard, and in an instant, God opened my eyes. The blankets were wet. The holes in the ground were filled with mud. The bunkers stank with mildew. Could it be that the same rain that kept me awake and demoralized had demoralized these troops? Did the clouds and the blowing sand that made me so miserable conceal our forces as we maneuvered for our attack? Did the pouring rain uncover buried Iraqi minefields? And didn't the stormy weather keep the enemy from using chemical weapons? Did the God whose hand controls the wind and rain know what was best for me that night as I cried out in desperation? I humbly bowed my heart and soul at that moment and declared, he did. Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Regeneration. The church suffers in loss, but can heal itself in Christ. Animals that regenerate, many animals can regenerate, and that it's regrow new parts of their bodies to replace those that have been damaged. Lizards who lost all or part of their tails can grow new ones. This is a good escape technique. A lost tail will continue to wiggle and might distract the predator and give the lizard a chance to escape. Most lizards will have regrown their tail within nine months. Sharks continually lose teeth. A shark may grow 24,000 teeth in a lifetime. Spiders can regrow missing legs and parts of legs. Starfish can grow new ones. Sometimes an entire animal can grow from a single lost arm. These these somewhat odd ideas of regeneration. What does that have to do with the rest of this message? Well, the simple point is that salvation can come in different ways. Obviously, we know that salvation is only through Christ, but what I mean by that is in our life, God can work in very, very different ways. We see with these animals that have regenerative powers, God has equipped them to be able to you know, survive in very different ways. Other animals use self-replication. The church can also turn a loss into the ultimately into self-replication. Planarians are flatworms, and if you cut them into pieces, they can grow into new worms. Sea cucumbers can have their bodies grow up to three feet long, and if you cut it into pieces, each one will become a new sea cucumber. Sponges can be divided. In that case, the cell of the sponge will regrow and combine exactly as it can it can be cut and grow back together. So we have to be seeking salvation as a church. Just like the son or the prodigal son story shows us how we should always hold on to hope that the lost will find their way home and that we should be glad for their salvation and not jealous of grace when it's applied. In Luke 15, 32, it says it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he was found. So as I close, you know, my final point point being salvation. I want to really dive into here. You know, Sergeant Olson didn't know what was happening in the storm. He didn't realize he was being saved by the storm. And similarly, as a church, we, we can go through storms. As Christians, we can go through storms, but through 
Jesus Christ, we have the power of regeneration. You know, the idea of baptism is that you, you go down into the water, you die to your sins, and then you come up a new creation in Jesus Christ. You're regenerated. Your heart can be renewed. It can be made new in Christ. And then the point going forward from that is for us to self-replicate. It's to create. It's to disciple. It's to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ so that others can also be regenerated. And then they will follow in the same pattern and then we'll see it grow over and over again. And that is why as a church, we seek salvation. We seek you know, a ministry of growth. We seek evangelism. We seek to evangelize for the message of the cross. Because that way, even in the storm, you're not just crying out for the storm to end. But rather you have understanding that the storm has a purpose. It has a purpose in your life. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're driving, obviously keep your hands at 10 and 2, keep your eyes on the road and open. But just real quickly, we come to the invitation. Maybe your heart's not right. Maybe you know that you need something different. Maybe you know you need Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never you know, thought about it before, but this message is speaking to you because you're in a storm. And you don't see any reason for the storm. And maybe you've prayed, you know, idly to, you know, hey, if there is a God, help me in my storm. Maybe that help is this right here. I pray by the Spirit that, that it is. Because if salvation is knocking at your door, you shouldn't, shouldn't you open it? Shouldn't you answer the door? But Jesus Christ is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to bust the door down. You have to open the door. So if that's you right now, and you know that you're you're not you're not saved, you're not following the word of God, you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, signify that with an uplifted hand, wherever you are. I can't see it. I'm just on the video or in the audio, rather. But God sees it. So signify that with an uplifted hand. And then it's just a simple prayer where you just, Admit your wrongdoing and you accept Jesus, your Savior. And it's just something simple like, dear Lord God. So you can repeat it after me. Dear Lord God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm not perfect and that I have failed. I repent of my sin. I turn away from my sin and I accept you, Lord, as my Savior, Lord Jesus. I ask you to enter my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Simple prayer. Simple invitation a dramatic life-changing event. That simple thing, I, I pray that if you did, you 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 said that prayer and you meant it, you'll let me know, you'll reach out. Because it's it's the whole purpose of what we're doing here is to spread the gospel, is to evangelize. Whether it's on the street here in Salmon Arm, whether it's in, in the church on Sunday or at our Bible study that we hold on Wednesday, the whole point of everything we do is to see people turn to turn to Jesus Christ in salvation. I, I truly pray that this message has impacted someone, and I, I have faith that the you know, that it has because we do know from the Word of God that the the Word does not go out and return void. We read that because there it's a supernatural power, and I pray that this message has impacted you today. I thank you, and I can't wait for you to come back again next time. 
listen to the PHSA Potter's House Salmon Arm podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Potter's House underscore Salmon Arm to keep up to date on what we are doing. Join the conversation and discover how Jesus Christ can revolutionize your life.